0: Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: The most important thing about your business could be how your products are packaged. Packaging is the signature that you leave everywhere. And it speaks volumes about who you are and what you do. This is Ditch the Box with David Maranek. In today's show, we'll talk about marketing, increased sales, and how it relates to product packaging. Have you explored alternatives like flexible packaging? You should. It can save your company a bundle. Now, here is David Maranek.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ditch the Box, the marketing slash flexible retail packaging slash how to build your brand radio show. I'm David Marinak, your host. As you know, our show is about marketing and flexible retail packaging with a few other related topics in between, such as how to build your brand, dealing with major retailers, and even supply chain. Today's guest is Mark Paxton. Mark is owner and podcast editor, at Lazak. Is it Lazak Productions, Mark?
3: That's correct, uh-huh.
2: Perfect. Lazak Productions, a growing digital media company with a strong focus on producing and hosting podcasts. However, like we, we do with all of our guests, we want to learn a little bit about their background, what got them to where they are today, and what makes them tick. So first and foremost, let's welcome Mark. Mark, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to be on
2: yeah I'm excited to have you because that podcast and your whole background is fascinating to me and I know our listeners, so we're going to get into that. but I really want to kind of go back to that that those earlier days you went to Brigham Young uh, and northwestern let 's start with Brigham Young. Why did you choose the university and and how was your experience
3: well i uh, My family has a long history with that school my both of my parents went there, um so I had that in common and when it was time to choose a school to go to um that was just the one I always grew up hearing about, and so uh I applied there and and I got in so
2: you know it's interesting. In. I was just out there a few weeks ago visiting a client um and they're in um Redmond, and also was it heber Heber city uh, I believe it yeah. is
3: mm-hmm. yeah. um
2: just absolutely if anyone hasn't been out to that Salt Lake City area and of course, through there, I went past Brigham young i mean it's a a it's a gorgeous campus and b just that whole town and the surrounding mountains and the whole bit is just it's just breathtaking for anyone who hasn't been there. Would you agree?
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes, it it's, its it's scenic. Like you wouldn't believe. Uh, it's uh right. people love to go there, you know, you've got stuff for the winter time and in the summer for people to do. So if you're an outdoors person, it's definitely a place to try and go to.
2: And and for anybody, even for me coming out from the, I guess you could say the Midwest slash East Coast. I mean, it was very simple to get to. Salt Lake City is a very convenient airport. Um, getting in and out was really simple. And and like you said, it was it is a very scenic area and, and just one that, if you haven't been there, definitely go about um, checking it out. But let me ask you a question: General studies at, at Brigham Young. What were your what were you uh, focusing on at that time, Mark?
3: Well, for most of the time I was there, I was focusing on nothing because I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I, it, you know, <laughs> I, I knew I wanted to go to BYU, so I went and then spent, you know, a long time not knowing what I was going to focus on. So, um, so I went there and I'd done AP classes and stuff. So a lot of my generals were out of the way. So I just kept right. taking other classes to try and find something to take, find something right. to major in. And, uh, and I eventually, uh, I just uh, one summer, just an off-handed thing. I, I took a uh, introduction to marketing class just to, uh, just to fill a, a general ed requirement that wasn't covered by my AP classes. And I took it. I was like, "This is what I want to do." Yeah, right. I love this. I love this. This this trying to uh, sell products and, and help people like you know understand better the things that they love. And it, yeah, it's, I I fell in love with it honestly.
2: You know, it's interesting. So many people. There's, there's, there. We, we have such a unique mix of of listeners to our show, and some are um, complete startup mode. Uh, some are established businesses. Some in different countries, of course. But um, I think there's this kind of um, uh, this. I don't know the old days of our parents, where you had uh, you went to college and you got a job, and that was the job you had until you retired, and then you died. Um, yeah. <laughs> those days are long gone, and you know. So, so much of college is trying to figure out what is it that we're interested in. Um, my dad was an accountant; he was a CPA, and I had absolutely zero interest. Although that's what I, my original major was. Oh, I'm going to be an accountant, you know. And and I'm thinking, why in the world would I even think that? It just sounded good to say, but um, I had no desire. And I think that first year or two is really trying to find, like you did, marketing. Um, me, it was it was that marketing sales to try to figure out what is it that I'm going to do with a real job when I grow up. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's crazy. Yes,
3: absolutely. <laughs> well,
2: you're you're not unlike the rest of us, Mark. So so welcome to the welcome to our world. And then you moved well, on into Northwestern. So tell us what was at Northwestern and, and why did you go there for a master's degree?
3: Well, so I I, I always knew I, I wanted to get an advanced degree, um, but uh, you know I had a wife and and one child, and another on the way. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to graduate from BYU. And if I'm going to do a master's, I should do it now. Well, the kids Smart. can't remember me not being home with them. Smart. Yeah. So, so I went to Northwestern, uh, to study integrated marketing communications. They have a great program out there in their, uh, their journalism school. Um, and I, yeah, I went there and that was an amazing experience. I met a lot of great people. I got to, you know, go to Europe for a couple of weeks and Nice. Yeah, 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 and and just uh get more in depth into marketing than I did at at BYU. So
2: Now, do go you th- go back to Northwestern in the Chicago area at all? I mean, it's such an unbelievable city just like Salt Lake. It's just a great town, different, totally different than Salt Lake, but again, a vibrant vibrant community.
3: You know, I would love to move back to Chicago. Um I have not made it back since graduating, and that's going on this December. It'll be 10 years, and I still haven't been back, but I, I keep wanting to go back, but uh, haven't made it back yet.
2: Well, I'll tell you, all, all planes, when you're on your way to Chicago, make sure you, you continue your flight and come and see us in Cleveland because uh, <laughs> we're a hop, skip, and a jump from, from the Chicago airport, either 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 sh- Chicago airport. So come and see us when that time comes around. Fair?
3: Yeah, it sounds Great.
2: So now you, um, obviously, you you had a collection of internships like we all do. I saw that you were a marketing intern and a male clerk, and you did some, uh, a professional resident at a cancer wellness center. You know, back in those days, I mean, were those, were there any life lessons, any sort of, um, you even did some awards, you were an awards volunteer for a business marketing association, but was there, was there anything there that was a life lesson, or was it pretty much like we've all gone through, these are entry-level positions and, and internships that we just needed to kind of get started
3: well for the most part internships are you know um you know doing mundane stuff but when i was at the cancer wellness center i actually got to do a lot of fun things i i uh produced a and shot a uh a commercial for them uh it was a long-form commercial that it was interviews and so then we edited that down and so that was really fun to be able to get behind the camera and do that and uh and i got to you know uh to help organize a conference for them. So nice. at the Cancer World Center, I, I, I got to do a lot of things that a normal intern wouldn't be able to do.
2: And sometimes those are the things that really stick with us, and that's why I asked that question, and I think it's really cool. I remember some of my internships, and you would think, ah, oh, you know what, you, well, you probably just went and fetch coffee for people. But no, when you, <laughs> when, when, it, when an organization allows you to do some pretty cool stuff, we remember it. And, and like you, getting behind the camera or being a part of the action – um, even though we're not really technically getting paid, and if we are, it's 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 nothing. Um, it's yeah. si- it's still such a cool experience and one that stays with us forever. That's pretty neat.
3: Yeah, it was really cool. Especially doing that video was really great because we interviewed forty people, maybe that had had experiences, you know, getting helped out at that cancer center, and then and then watching it over and over again because we had you know forty hours of video. We had to edit down to ten minutes, so it was a uh, wow watching that over and over again. But you really got to hear those stories and and really understand the kinds of things those people went through and how the Cancer Center had, had uh really helped them out.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, my, and as a side note, I mean, we've all been touched by cancer in some way, shape or form, whether we've we've worked there or my wife is part of an organization. And I mean, again, you're doing something that really is uh, um, you know, is God's work. You're really doing something that's making a difference, um, you know, and, and that's the thing that really kind of sits with all of us. And especially in that cancer, that's cancer world. I mean, talk about making a difference. You could see it right then and there. You know what I mean?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was it was a rewarding experience as well as an educational one.
2: Awesome. Mark, we're going to take a short break. We've got plenty to talk about. We hadn't even gotten in, gotten into uh, uh, your time with uh, Suntilla and some other things. So we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back with our buddy Mark Paxton. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice
1: You are listening to Ditch the Box with David Marinak. If you would like more information about our program, send David an email to david at standuppouches.net. That's david at standuppouches.net. Now back to Ditch the Box.
2: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Ditch the Box. We're chatting, chatting with a friend, Mark Paxton. And Mark has an extensive background that touches so many areas of our radio listeners. So, Mark, let's stay with that kind of intro area. We were chatting a little bit about your background, some of the internships and things, but you kind of then branched into really um, the meat and well, I don't want to say the meat and potatoes, but you really kind of dug into some stuff that um, that really kind of showed your marketing, um, you know, your marketing desire, interest, et cetera. You are now uh, with Bountiful Wi-Fi as a social networking specialist. Tell us what. Well, then of course you did a QA production manager and some other, some other things. So tell us about your time at Bountiful and what kind of things you did there.
3: Well, Bountiful Wi-Fi was, uh, uh, an interesting place to be. First of all, I'd graduated from Northwestern and I spent the next, you know, let's say I graduated in December, didn't get a job at Bountiful Wi-Fi until September of the next year. So, uh, like 10 months, maybe nine months of not having a a job was really stressful, sure. uh, for my wife and family. So, uh, we actually decided to move from Chicago, um, that August back to, uh, Utah where I'd gone to school first to, uh, see if we'd get a job there because I could not find a job to save my life in Chicago, except at Trader Joe's where I was for about four months. Yep. Um,
2: yeah, keep going. Sorry.
3: Yes. No. Yeah. So that was, uh, Yeah. So once I got back to Utah, I, you know, I, I got a job, uh, you know, within a a couple of weeks of being there. So uh, that was, uh, that was kind of a miracle. It seemed like to me, but, uh, I didn't, I wasn't hired to do marketing though. I, I did some product development for them. Uh, but, uh, not a lot of marketing at all. And, And then I started, uh, doing a little bit of sales for them. And then I ended up being the, uh, the production manager for their, uh, Production line, and then along the way, I also got—I was asked to do uh, some social media stuff for them, just because they had no social media presence at all. So, you know, I built their Facebook page and and you know did some Twitter stuff for them and and wrote a blog, you know, that kind of stuff, just to uh, help them along because they had zero marketing budget.
2: So. Isn't that interesting? I mean, it's it's kind of cool because I look back, and again, that was, what, nine years ago, maybe, something like that. Is Bountiful yeah. still around?
3: No, it's not. No, in 2010... The uh, the economy killed it, basically. Yep, killed killed So was, Well, and yeah. I just,
2: and I, and I remember those early days, um, and, and it wasn't that long ago. We talk about it as if it was like the 18th century, but, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that long ago that stuff was all brand new to all of us. And um, like you're saying, their Facebook page and doing some marketing work for them because they had no budget. Um, and then what was really cool but before then, and that's kind of where I was jumping in, is there's under underneath all this stuff is that is that word perseverance and i get that from you because at that time when you're in chicago coming out of school big city i found the same thing as well um and, um, and trying to kind of go after um, you know a job when I when I graduated um, those if you're not in the right city that has I, I would say entry-level positions to kind of help you grow uh, and Chicago was one of them at the time that really had nothing going I mean they if you were you know a ten-year veteran and had all kinds of experience that's a different story but if yeah. you're a recent college grad um, it doesn't matter you're they're kind of like they that's not what they were looking for at the time and I know things change but Underneath all that mark was that was that word perseverance because that 's kind of you did what you had to do. you had a young family i 'm sure you guys were looking at each other, you and your wife going what, what are we going to do um, <laughs> like the rest of us and 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 then you kind of you know you, you just kind of figure it out right and, and that 's one of those things that kind of ties to our listeners who are who are you know new in their world of uh, marketing, and new in their world of a startup business, um, it's that perseverance. It's kind of like just where the rubber meets the road. You just figure it out, right?
3: Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, uh, there was a lot of uh, soul searching. There was a lot of well, we've got you know some student loan yeah. money <laughs> left over, and student right. loans don't start coming due and for <laughs> another six months, so. Yep. Let's yep. just see what we can do, and then eventually he's like, "Yeah, we gotta gotta go somewhere because this isn't working here."
2: <laughs> yeah, and and that's and again, props to you guys because sometimes the geographical solution can kind of just be that shot in the arm that you need um, to kind of reconnect and and get things started, which kind of leads into really some of the meat and potatoes because you now kind of really got into the sun, your experience with Suntilla and the Kicking Lizard Salsa. Tell us about that where that kind of came from. I know that you were working, I believe, with your dad. Tell us a little bit more of how that all kind of came about.
3: Okay, so, well, first of all, my father um, spent 16 years in the PepsiCo system. So he yeah. started out at Frito-Lay and then moved sure. to Pizza Hut and then moved to uh Pepsi-Cola and then moved to corporate at PepsiCo, then moved back to uh, uh, Pizza Hut, you know, so that he had a long history in that. And, uh, up until the time I graduated from high school, he was working for, uh, PepsiCo. And, uh, and his friend came to him. His friend was, a was, uh, a, a real estate broker, but was also an amazing chef, uh, named Robert Lopez. And he, uh, he had this salsa that he'd been making and, uh, and giving to people as gifts at Christmas and whatever. And people kept saying, you should sell this. You should sell this. And, and then, wow. And so eventually he came to my father and said, I know you have a background in food from the business side. I've got this recipe. Could I sell this? And so they decided to go into business together um, to try and sell the salsa. It was an amazing uh, a green tomatillo salsa. Wow, that's was, good stuff. Oh, it was so good. It was all fresh, blended, and oh, so tasty. So, uh, so they went into business and they needed someone to do marketing for them. Right. And, uh, and they decided to do this in September of 2010, the same month that I uh, lost my job at uh, Bountiful Wi-Fi. So wow. I was like, "Well, oh, yeah, okay, I don't have anything else to do. Sure, I can help <laughs> you out.
2: So <laughs> That's right. And I happen to have a background in marketing. It's perfect.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. So right. I spent the next three years, uh, you know, uh, doing a lot of sampling in Costco and uh and other stores as well, and, uh, you know, selling this delicious salsa to people, which so they love. So stay- let's
2: Let's stay with that because I think it's important. There's and, and a lot of times people don't realize all the different pieces, parts of, of really, I mean, and you know this as well as anybody starting a business from scratch. Um, you know, you've got this, and, and a lot of, we have a lot of companies that we work with um, from granola to seasonings to even popcorn that, you know, really have no idea where to start, really don't even know, you know. when you're talking about the grassroots, the really down and dirty stuff about, hey, I've got this salsa recipe and... And, you know, your dad's been in the Frito-Lay, um, PepsiCo world for a long time. And so so take us back to that beginning. You guys were just bottling this in jars. Were you guys doing doing this out of a contract kitchen? Were you doing this out into your home kitchen? Tell us where that all kind of started, because that usually uh, resonates with a lot of our listeners.
3: Of course, of course, yeah. So uh, we started out in Robert's kitchen. He'd... Uh, yep. You know, he'd toss it all into a blender and, and uh, uh, blend it all up. And then uh, and we would uh, take it around to people to have them, uh, you know, taste test it and things. Like, we took it to uh, to bloggers in the area nice. for them to try and to get their opinion on the salsa and that kind of thing. Now, so, I know that
2: idea came from you, Mark. I'm just going to interrupt that. That's a smart, brilliant idea right there because you get people talking
3: about it. Good move. Yeah, and that, yeah, that idea did come from me. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, initially my father and Robert were not particularly comfortable giving the salsa out to you know people who did blogs about cooking. They thought they'd copy the recipe or whatever. But uh, but uh, no, by that like I was like we've already incorporated the business. We, you know we're on our way to trademarking this sure. stuff, so it's not like people can just you know do an exact copy and sell it as. And, uh, this. and then technically they they could, because right. um, you can really only you know copy a, a brand name. You can't necessarily copy like copy a product correct specifically but you know it's like we've got a, a strong brand here that i think we can go with so i didn't have any problem with taking to people that uh, whose opinion mattered so
2: you know and i just so we, and, and so you're out on the road you were going to different um um uh, retailers i mean tell us a little bit more about now that you've got some people trying it i mean what else did you guys do
3: well so we had to trying it we, we uh we actually hired a uh a consulting team to help us out with it because there was just so much that we needed to have done you know we had to research packaging options and right. uh and uh you know places to get our even to get the the uh you know the containers from and sure. all that kind of stuff and and you know distribution channels and and uh manufacturers and
2: and so brokers
3: right oh yeah exactly so so many pieces of the puzzle that, that uh, we need, we couldn't have done it all ourselves. So we had some people come on to uh, help us part time. So I got to head up those uh, that consulting team uh, to make sure they were they were staying on task and, and on brand. So we got to work with them and got to work just you know putting all the pieces together that uh, uh, made up the salsa. And so then by the time that was within, let's see, we started salsa stuff. Uh, in September, uh, really worked on a name or something, and but couldn't come up with a name and and stuff like that. So we eventually hired the team in January of that year, and then in March or no, it was April of that year. Uh, we we got a contact at Costco. Nice. And yes, we got got a contact at Costco, and then and there's a a, a huge review process with Costco that can take you know sometimes people take them years to get into Costco wow. and uh but uh fortunately my father you know with his uh history in uh, yep. in food yep. and uh he he uh was able to uh find out who the the final decision maker was for Costco and he flew out to uh Seattle
2: right on present- Washington that right
3: yeah mhm yeah flew out there and presented directly to that person the salsa. So he kind of used his uh clout in the industry to uh skip past a few extra layers of uh red tape that we'd have had to go through otherwise.
2: Now was he still at PepsiCo Free to Lay at that point or had he kind of cashed his chips in and to do the uh Suntilla and Kicking Lizard salsa completely?
3: Well it was funny he uh my senior year of high school he was he took a sabbatical year from yeah. from uh from Pizza Hut and did a sabbatical year and in that year he created his own consulting company. So then he got back to Pizza Hut, uh, and uh, and put in his letter of resignation as soon as he got back.
2: No and kidding. so then,
3: yeah, yeah. So then the week after I graduated from high school, we all packed up, hopped in a car, and drove to Utah.
2: <laughs> oh man, that's a cool adventure too. I'm sure I'm sure that's come back in some fam- family memories. You know what I mean?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. Those. That was fun because we kind of made it into a sightseeing tour as well. So we Absolutely. saw it
2: along the way. But along that, um, that, that journey, if you will, you guys dabbled in a little crowdfunding um, as well, correct? Tell us about the, what that experience was with Kicking Lizard and, and how did that work out for you?
3: Well, so it, we tried to do a, uh, a Kickstarter campaign okay. to raise money because we were we were having it manufactured in Chicago, which was fine except all of our business seemed to be on – yeah. In the more West, western United States, right? And they were a great company to work with, but you know, then we had to ship everything in refrigerated, uh, you know, cars all yeah. the way across the country. Right. So that's not cheap. So we decided to uh, start work in a with a new distributor and a new manufacturer in California, but the money to get it out there was, uh, well, it was a little tight. We'll say. So you know,
2: yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Sorry. No,
3: no. I was gonna say. So we. Uh, so I decided to. Do a, uh, I was going to try and at least get on Kickstarter and see if we could raise some money to help get us out to California at least. Right. Um, let me just say that that did not work out <laughs> the way we'd hoped. And uh, they, Kickstarter is interested in, in jumpstarting new and innovative projects, uh, not in helping people move across the country to uh, continue a business that's already started. So our campaign was rejected by Kickstarter
2: you know i it's um and, and i'm going to stay with that for a second cuz you're not the first one that's ever said things like that and I, and again that goes back to that word perseverance that we we're talking about before and so often um i remember uh when our business was really new and um i had presented to kind of like a a local organization to see about possibly raising um funds or getting an angel investor or something the point i'm getting at mark is that you hit something that was i thought was right on um, with with Kickstarter or with some of these other organizations, when you have an established business, if you will, um, when you when, when you um, you know I'm in the packaging business full time, and you, you here you're in the salsa business, for example, and and we're not the, you know we're not the, the sexy um, you know cure for cancer that some of these uh, organizations want to jump on, and it's frustrating because you had a very good viable reason. Of Why you needed the cash and the funding, and I seem to think I did at the time as well. But but I mean, I think it's interesting that you had mentioned that because I often found the same thing, that if you're not that bright, si- shiny new object for some of these uh, crowdsourcing or Kickstarter type of campaigns, sometimes you get kicked to the curb. Is that a fair statement?
3: Absolutely. That is exactly what happened. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And that's just frustrating because it doesn't, you know, it's, it's that perseverance. You have to continue moving in that direction and kind of moving where you want to go. And sometimes when you think, Oh, this is a can of corn, this is easy. They, you know, Kickstarter work for this guy and this guy. And next thing you know, they're, you know, poof, Um, you know, they, they, you're, you're done. So it's, it's, it's frustrating. But again, perseverance, you're still here, you're still kicking um, yeah. and let's kind of tie this together now as you kind of moved um, beyond that world. I know you've done or are continuing to do some IT stuff. Were you doing that with Zions Bank, or are you still there? Or Tell me a little bit more about that before we really dig into your world with the um, the voiceover company and your world with LASIK and, 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 and your productions with podcasts.
3: Yes, I actually still am with Zions Bank doing a, a tech support for them. That nice. is my day job. That's the thing that puts food on the table and sure. pays the rent. But uh yeah, and, and I enjoy I enjoy uh helping people and uh and so that was and and I and I I've always dabbled in IT, so it was a place to fit in while I was trying to do other things, but uh, I'm still there and the, Still kicking two and a half years later.
2: You know, it's it's pretty cool as we really kind of dig into our meat and potatoes. I like to say that that term because I think it's really neat. You you have this um, this sense about you if, if, if by looking at your background, whether it be on LinkedIn or knowing you as we do, um, you really have kind of you you have this. First glance is like, wow, this guy has got to be in his sixties because you've got such a background <laughs> of of experience, right? And and you're a you're a young guy that that really is just kind of getting into your, your the swing of things. And I think it's really cool because you know so often, and like we talked about at the very beginning, y- you just try new things. You bend, you don't break. You go in a different direction. You do what you know. It's, it and it's I think it's inspiring for a lot of people because most people would just think, oh, you know what, it's just not meant for me and I guess I'll just go and take my ho hum job at the at the I don't care wherever it is. But, you know, guys like you, Mark, just continue to bounce and 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 go and move and not stay still and you know, and here you are now with um like you said, your day job, if you will, and doing stuff that you enjoy doing with the IT background. But now you're taking that IT background into this world of podcasting. And, you know, and podcasts is, is, you can definitely tell is your kind of, um, that's your passion because I can hear it in your voice. And especially when I was (laughs) on your show, tell us some more about the podcast world, how you got into that, um, why you get into that. And then we'll really start digging into podcasts in general.
3: Well, I started listening to podcasts back in 2005 when they were very, very young. As soon as, uh, iTunes put up their, uh, their link for a podcast, I was, I was on there checking them out and, and I've enjoyed listening to podcasts since then. But, uh, um, while I was at Kicking Lizard, I was just trying to find other ways that were cheap to market the brand and get the name out there and hopefully get people, uh, uh, you know, paying attention to Kicking Lizard. So, So I, but I didn't want to specifically do, say, a Kicking Lizard podcast. That was a bit limiting. And, uh, but I did the, uh, I decided to do the food marketing podcast sponsored by Kicking Lizard Salsa. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, so I did that. And, and, and people listened, um, a little bit, not a whole lot. And, uh, but honestly, it, it fizzled out after, uh, after a couple of months of just me talking into the microphone. I found that, uh, uh, I couldn't carry on a conversation with myself long enough to uh, to do that, so the well, podcast kind well, of fizzled.
2: So you know what, and that's not unlike the industry of podcasts. Because I'm going to stay with that because if you remember, like you had said, right when iTunes kind of launched, if you will, podcasts were all the rage for certain things. If you had, uh, if you were a celebrity or something like that, but but they fizzled, um, and now they've kind of come back in vogue in full swing. Because um, you know it, it is a like you said inexpensive. Uh, it's a great way to kind of engage with people. Um, it's now become um, easy to do. Let's, re- let's let's face it. Back in the days of iTunes, you needed to kind of jerry rig your system so you could you could <laughs> record and kind of like then you could kind of play it back and it was all kinds of clunky stuff. But um, but now they've you know it's it's become a very effective way. To communicate and have people on as guests, or to um, discuss certain topics, and so you kind of branched. And, and I and I I think of you as we're talk as you were talking about food marketing. I think a lot of um, if you remember Gary V. Gary yeah. um mm-hmm. Wine Library. I mean, here's a guy that took over his parents. Yeah. Uh, liquor store. It's not a wine store. It's not a fine beverage. This was a liquor <laughs> store and I think yeah. it was in Brooklyn. And and he basically, like you, had created a podcast and started doing some stuff about wine and what wines pair better with what types of food. And, and very much like you're doing um, in the food marketing uh, podcast, you're kind of like, you know, you're digging into the food world um, you're bringing people on to discuss. You're having some some good conversations with people, and and again, there's just a lot of potential here. And good for you for revisiting that because it's not dead. I think podcasts are coming back stronger than ever.
3: I agree. I agree. It was funny. I I like, I did 13 episodes of the original show, and then and I kept the domain and I kept those podcasts up there, but I wasn't doing anything with it. And you know, it went on for another. Fourteen months, I think, before wow. I finally decided. You know what? I uh, people are still downloading episodes. This, this still seems to be something that people are interested in. And I, by then, I'd already moved on. Santia had a uh, had a uh, shut down, and I was at uh, Zion's Bank. But I continued to see downloads. And I thought, you know what? I really want to keep doing this. Right. So. So I did and I started the podcast back up and switched to an interview format because like I said, I, I couldn't carry on a conversation with myself for, you know, <laughs> more than 10 <laughs> minutes. So I, yeah. So, you know, it's like, well, if I have other people on, they can at least talk and I can just be filler. So, and, uh, you yeah, know, it, it, that seemed to work. And then I'm, I'm on episode 92 or 93 right now. So I'm approaching episode 100 and, uh, good for you. Yeah. It's, it's been fun, and uh, it's kept me in podcasting, uh, which is, yeah, a thing that I I, I found that I do love. I, well, I, and, I let's, know the, sorry, yeah, and let's,
2: let's dig in a little bit because I, I know towards the end of this segment, we're going to really kind of um, – I want to build a case for why people should have a podcast, why they should use your organization because, excuse me, you guys host podcasts now. Tell us about uh, your your production company. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, because I think it's important for those people that are constantly asking us, you know, well, I don't even know where to get started and how do we get started in a podcast? You guys have pretty much a, a plug and play setup. So tell us more about that.
3: Yeah. So we, um, the thing with podcasting is there's a learning curve, you know, you, uh, there's a certain amount of stuff you have to understand, uh, to get one started. Um, you know, so that there's just a, a big hump to over, to get over before you, Kind of get into that groove of uh your show every week right. and and all that, so um my company helps to try and uh you know get you over that hump quicker by taking that technical burden off of your hands uh you know so you i i can i consult with the with the client and explain how exactly they can uh you know record a show you know suggest uh different ways in which to uh go about buying equipment and you know those kind of things. And then I, when they record the shows, and I have them send them to me, and then I edit them, you know, clean them all up, you know, uh, take out awkward pauses if there are a lot of awkward pauses, you know, uh, you know if there are any annoying things that they don't like in the sound that they like to take out, I can do that and try and you know level it, you know, whatever. So one person doesn't sound like they're shouting, the other person sounds like they're whispering, you know. Right. So I take care of all of that for them, and then uh, and then I release it for them, and I do some uh, some uh, search engine optimization stuff in terms of, uh, you know, how things are appearing on their website um, and also, you know, uh, some social media stuff in terms of, Tweeting and stuff like that with them
2: as well. So you're, um, and that's. It's important for us to kind of focus on that a little bit more because one of the biggest um, fears, and you've heard this as well as anybody. uh, Well, I don't know what to talk about, or what if there is a (laughs) pause, and what if I, you know, my guy decides not to, you know, to answer the question, or um, you know, and you're taking that that kind of a lot of that fear factor off of them. Um, because you're editing that that program. You know, you're allowing them to kind of, like you said, you clean it up um, and, and allow them to kind of just focus on what they're good at, which is let me interview this person and, and ask him the questions that we talked about and things like that, and allow you, the professional, to kind of go in there and then take it a step further, which I think is really important, is you do the search engine optimization because it doesn't do you any good to have a podcast if it's not found, um, yes. and 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 if you can't get it found, then you're just kind of like like you and I both did at the very beginning, talk to ourselves, um, <laughs> you know, and that just gets old. So now we're talking about you know the the ability for um, you to really kind of just handle all the 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 stuff that would people always would frown upon and really kind of take it. So. So how how difficult is it to host a podcast with your network? So they would, do you give them an 800 number or are they buying a, a equipment? Tell us a little bit more about that experience so we can kind of really, you know, help paint that picture.
3: Oh, sure, yeah. So um, what I like to do first is uh, I do uh, some one-on-one uh, consultations with them Smart. over the phone, you know, at first if that's, you know, something that uh, they need to do or if they don't have equipment yet. So I do consulting with them. I usually do a, a half an hour get to know you session to kind of understand the situation. And then, uh, then I go into some, first of all, setup and, uh, you know, whatever else needs to be done to get the podcast, uh, going. And then also in terms of, you know, getting a website or whatever, you know, if they need help with that, you know, so I try and understand their situation and, uh, and start from where they need the help from. Some people already have a, a website they want to host it on or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. So, and that's fine, you know so, but we need to I need to know where they're at, so we do consulting with them first, and then once uh we get them kind of up and going, um then we can actually start the uh process of uh you know building the actual podcast so I can then if they want need more in depth, I can go into them into it with them about uh you know uh you know guests if that's the kind of show they want to do you know with with uh interviewing people or if they want to do a round table discussion with uh lots of guests that takes a, a different amount of uh you know, uh, expertise or whatever to try and sure. get multiple people sure. on the show, you know? So, so there's all of those technical, uh, issues that need to be worked out. So that, like I said, that learning curve, of, that technical learning curve, uh, I, I try and make that as uh seamless as possible for them so that they can, uh, so they can just do the things they love, which is, uh, you know, recording a podcast, because really that's the thing that people want to do is they want they, people that do a podcast, enjoy talking into a microphone, uh, they enjoy, you know, talking to other they're, like-minded They're people, curious. You know? Yeah,
2: they're curious and by nature. Absolutely. We're all curious. We like to learn about things that are out there and we want to learn what makes people tick and we're curious. I think that's a good point.
3: No, and, and you know, some, uh, sometimes it's, uh, you know, assuaging people's fears, you know, because yeah. they think, well, why would anyone want to listen to what I have to say? It's right. like, well, first of all, let's not think about your audience as a group, Let's think of them as an individual because podcasting is a one-on-one thing. Someone puts earbuds or headphones on whatever, or plays through speakers, whatever they're doing, but they listen to you, and in their mind, they're having a conversation with you, the podcast host. And uh, so it's a very intimate thing. And the fact that people can do it whenever they want to. They can stop and start while they're doing other things, you know, or listening in the car. You know, so people t- find time to do podcasts to distract them from other things they don't necessarily you know, uh, love doing, like mowing the lawn or grocery shopping. Yeah, or whatever.
2: exactly. And now, how long should a podcast be if there's a general rule of thumb, if you will?
3: You know, a lot of people say it's under a half an hour because, in general, that's most people's commute time. So right. People want to listen to something that cause they can last while they're on a drive. But, you know, the more I've listened to podcasts, the longer podcasts I'm beginning to listen to, so, and because you could pause it, you know, it really doesn't matter how long a podcast is, as long as you are enjoying it, you, it can be as long as you want it to be, and there will be people that will listen to it.
2: Yeah, and that's and that's a good point uh, and um, a good reminder because we've all had guests before, Mark, and I know you have as well, where they come on and and they say nothing. You know, they were real vibrant, real talkative when you interviewed them initially for the, and then they get on, they go uh yes uh no and it's like oh brother this is this is the death knell um but yeah one when you're engaging and when you're having a good conversation and you're able to kind of just kind of keep the keep the thing moving um it's it's a very one-on-one thing and i think that's really pretty cool it is
3: it is (laughs) i don't listen to the radio anymore or i don't even listen to music anymore it's pretty much all podcasts or, or audiobooks. I listen to some audiobooks now, too. But, but the, for the most part, it's all to and from work and lunch break. It's all yep. podcasting.
2: That's pretty cool. And I think a lot of people are moving in that direction, too, because they feel like um, I don't care who they've listened to or read, but a lot of people are saying, look, um, use your um, your hour or lunch break. Use your commute back and forth to learn something. Yeah, we all need to put on music every now and then, completely you know detach. But if that's prime time and we can learn something or, re- or listen to half of a book on the way to you know the soccer game or something like that, um, you know that th- then we're doing something productive. You know, we're not just kind of um, you know sitting on our hands. I mean, we can actually learn something, which is really pretty cool.
3: Oh yeah, that's a. <laughs> That's the great thing about podcasting is it's on demand learning. Whatever yep. subject you want to listen to, what do you want to learn about, you can listen to that and you can learn from it. And uh, that's uh, and you don't have to you're not limited by what's on the radio. Even if you listen to talk radio, you're limited by what they want to talk yep. about on the radio. Yep. It's not what yep. you choose.
2: Now are you looking to to add some more clients to your production company? Is that something that we can help promote? um, you know, for those people that are looking to get started, is that something that, um, that would fit with you guys? Is that something that would, um, you know, we could definitely promote?
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I'm taking on new clients at the moment. So, you know, if people want to get in contact with me, feel free. And, and I'd, I'd love to, to walk through the process of, uh, you know, uh, try, trying to record a show about the thing that they love.
2: Yeah, let's stay with that for a second. So go ahead and, and give your, uh, your email address or phone number, Mark, whatever it is that you want um, for our listeners to be able to reach out because podcasting is one of those things that, um, you know, we've had sales trainers and we've had sales professionals and we've had, but podcasts are one of those things that, that we haven't had a guest on before and I really think um, there are people who are interested. So let's go ahead and give your info so we don't forget and then we'll give it at the, at the end of the show as well.
3: Yeah, no, that'll be great. Thank you very much. So, uh, so if you want to email, email info, that's I-N-F-O at LazakProductions.com. That's I-N-F-O at L-A-Z, as in zebra, A-K-P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S.com.
2: Perfect. Perfect. That's awesome. Thanks, man. So can you make money at a podcast? One of the things that I know a lot of people is there, do you, first of all, I, I think I'll, you'll agree that you, we don't go into the podcast world to make money. Um, it's not some sort of a, a revenue generator, if you will. But there are people, there are companies that make money with a podcast. Is that is that a fair statement?
3: It can be, yeah. There are, there are certain people. You have to build a business around it. Right. And then you basically use the podcast as a vehicle to, to do it. So most people don't make money directly from a podcast, at least not money that they can live off of, you know, so people do a podcast and like I do with food market podcasts, I use it as a case study right. for, for being able to build a podcast and, uh, and, uh, get followers and, and, you know, all of that. So. Um, most people use it as a stepping stone to something else, whether it be to drive traffic to their actual business like mine is, or, you know, people just use it as a hobby because they just want to, you know, talk, and, you know, there are ways, you know, we can insert ads or, or other things that, um, or you do banner ads on your website, things sure. like that. They right. can, they can help bring in some money, but, um, in general, we use podcasts as a way to drive business to something else that we're doing.
2: Yeah. And that's, that- That's a great point for everyone to kind of understand. It's not the end-all, be-all, but it can definitely, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely something that will help uh, lead to other things. So let's stay with the Food Marketing Podcast, your, 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 your main um, podcast that you do personally. Tell us a little bit about that. I know you focus on food, but take us deeper. What about food? What can a listener learn when they tune into your Food Marketing Podcast?
3: Well, so I, I try and interview people that either have a background in food or are currently working for a food company that have interesting stories to tell and that uh can provide some uh some uh, insights into marketing that uh others can use to, you know, market their own businesses. So, sure. you know, I've had on all sorts of different people. I've had on pack- packaging people like yourself. Yep. I've yep. had on people that that um do uh, you know, marketing in the food space specifically. I've right. had on uh, you know, owners of restaurants. You know, so it's pretty wide, but the main theme is uh, hoping to glean insights from people that know what they 're doing that uh, can help other people uh, get ideas for their own businesses
2: it 's such a massive industry and and you know your little slice of the pie, my little slice of the pie if you will it 's such a massive industry and there 's so many facets um, to the food business. And like you were saying, I mean, you've got the restaurateurs, you've got your brokers, you've got distributors, you've got packaging companies, you've got um, ingredients companies and contract manufacturing, contract kitchens. There's so many tentacles, if you will, um, to the food business, that I would think that you, you have no no shortage of topics and people you could get on, um, because the industry itself is so massive. And and I would you know and no wonder why your your know, the food marketing podcast is so popular because it's so you know there's so many different things that involving around food.
3: It is true. It is true that, that some people have accused me of not. Um... You know, finding a niche market to go into, like, you've definitely niched down to uh, a very specific niche, which is, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, flexible packaging, which is, right, uh, right. That, that, that's pretty niche. Um, I, I stayed a little more broad than that, partially out of fear of not being able to find guests or being able to find a topic people would be interested in. But then also, you know, uh, having a wider perspective sometimes is nice. Uh, for getting guests and also uh, being able to pull in a little bit wider of a, of a fan base.
2: You know, I had the same when we first started this as well. <clears throat> we did a, excuse me, we did a um, <clears throat> start of this thing where we had kind of like a news segment, you know, brands in the news, um, companies that were doing some things, maybe food recalls, things like that. And And, and as much as that's viable, decent information, um, you know, I did that initially like you out of fear going, well, what if I run out of stuff to talk about. Um, yeah. and so we really kind of, you know, morphed into um from not just the flexible packaging podcast if you will, we kind of then tied in Retailers, we tied in marketing techniques, which brings in people like yourself. We tied in, um, you know, what, you know, s- some other pieces of the industry because, you know, when you're not, when you're just dealing with packaging, you're also dealing about brand building. And um, getting on a store shelf and changing your oh, yeah. packaging to kind of so there's a lot of different tentacles and and that's what's really cool um, that there's so many different you know we we also don't have a shortage of things to talk about when we kind of go broad <laughs> as well and and it'll always be kind of focused or we'll tie it back together in some way um, with packaging um, but for the most or retailing in general but. Um, But for the most part, you know, we we went broad as well, just so we could have, you know, a a, a plethora of uh, available guests that that could really talk about their passion.
3: Absolutely. And, you know, with my background as well, it's pretty pretty broad and uh, not industry-specific. So it was a good uh, way for me to, uh, uh, you know, be able to talk about it but uh, not feel like I was, you know, constricted by a specific uh, niche that I was focused on. Whereas someone who, you know, who had been in, you know, a specific industry, like someone who was, a, you know, in a, it was a in like, uh, I don't know, franchising. If they've been right. in franchising their entire career, it would be make sense for them to do a franchising podcast, not necessarily sure. a uh, a general food podcast. Right. So you know, smart. Makes
2: well, we're headed down the home stretch of today's show. I just want to kind of uh, hit a couple of questions that I, I like to ask all of our guests because I think it's, it's, it's important. And I know you're kind of an IT guy at heart, and I can see all the stops along the way, plus a unique blend of marketing. Um, what do you see? Do you see yourself continuing down that IT slash marketing path, Mark, in the next three to five years? Where do, you, where, do you, um, where do you see yourself in three to five?
3: You know, I'd love to get more into uh, marketing for my day job. Yeah. um you know that that's a goal I have for the next uh three to five years um but you know just uh the thing is marketing specifically has become very tech dependent
2: yeah
3: and uh you know with social media and all the different social media tools, you have to be fairly tech savvy to work in marketing these days, whereas before you had a creative person that you know they could do art really well and so they got pulled in to do art stuff a lot of those jobs are going away, and it's becoming more about uh how you can, you know, take your art or whatever and then turn it into a digital thing that can be, you know, rearranged and and, you know, put anywhere and uh, you know, used to promote a product. So, um I've enjoyed that blend of technology and marketing so that I can, you know, you know, combine two things that I love and uh, you know, be able to uh you know use that to hopefully help other people bring their stories to life.
2: You know, it's um, and with that are always opportunities because I hear you, and it, and it's so much stuff has just in the last five years gone from your traditional marketing, even snail mail, stick a um, a stamp mm-hmm. on a postcard and, and mail it, um, to a digital setup. But we've all seen opportunities now, just just recently, where all of a sudden people are so inundated with email, um, with voicemail, and. Now, all of a sudden, there are opportunities if you just send somebody a personal note. Um, you know, people will open their mail. I'm talking physical mail. So there's always with, you know, yes, the industry and the majority of the industry has gone into digital, but I always think, and I know you agree, that there are always opportunities that, that, that if, you, if you're if you willing to be a little bit different, willing to try new things, um, you know, you don't have to look very far for some of those old-fashioned old, old fashioned ways of, of connecting with people, and, and, and sometimes that's effective. It's true.
3: It's always about finding the the best tool to reach your audience, and sometimes that is snail mail or, you know, um, or, an, or an email right. or right. a banner ad. You, know, you have to do the work to find out where your potential, your ideal customers are and, and then try and figure out how you can best talk to them in a way that they want to be spoken to.
2: So, final question for the day, my friend, um, and I like this, and I don't want to go too deep with this, but you know, what are some of the things you're most proud of, personally and professionally? I- I'll just step in back to my original word uh, initially is perseverance. I mean, you're a survivor, man. You just, you just, you just kind of zig and zag, and you just make things happen. And I don't know where you feel on that, but. But I would be very proud, um, you know, to call you, um, you know, to, to look at yourself and say, hey, look, I persevered through a bunch of ups and downs, and, and you're still out here kicking it. So perseverance is one of those things that I, if I was you, would be most proud of. But I'd love to hear what you have to say.
3: Well, you know, that that, that really has been a general theme in my life. You know, I, I life went pretty much according to plan. I, I got out of high school. I... I went to college for a year. Then I spent two years in Korea as wow. a as a missionary. Yeah, and then and that was all part of the plan. I was always planning on doing that. And then I came home. I was at college again for a year, and then I got brain cancer. And so I spent another year recovering from that. And and since then, it's all been about um, doing what's best for my family. Yep. Because that's the most important thing in my life is my family, and whatever is best for them is best for me. So it's been about perseverance to make sure that they have the best chance at success that they can have. Great lesson,
2: dude. This is great for everybody, and 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 again, a great lesson for, for me personally. So, Mark, it's been fun. I hope you'll come back and share with our audience what's new, what's what you're doing from time to time. Is that a good idea?
3: Oh, I'd love that. Yeah, this has been good. great.
2: good. Hey, folks, just so you know, our show airs on Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Radio Network. I'd like to thank my producer, Jamie Berling, our executive producer, Winston Winnie-Price, and you for listening. Until next time, remember, packaging is the voice of your brand, the voice. It's the first thing consumers see. What is your packaging saying to consumers? See you, everyone. Until next time. Thanks, Mark.
1: Thanks for listening to Ditch the Box. We're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Please join David Marinak for another great show next week.